Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to tackle a topic that I know is near and dear to a lot of your hearts. Copyright, infringement, and in particular talking about those kinds of concepts as well as fair use through the nexus of looking at streaming, in particular streaming video games on places like YouTube and Twitch. Because as we've talked about in previous episodes of Virtual Legality, like with respect to MXR Plays and Jukin Media, there is a lot of misinformation out there about how copyright works, about what fair use is and isn't, and how game streaming actually functions in the legal framework, right? And this has been a topic that I've considered for a long, long time, because as a lawyer, as somebody that's interested in business, I look at streaming of a video game as something that is pretty inherently an infringement of copyright, right? That basically all streams are infringing. And in order to understand that, we kind of have to look at the Copyright Act, which, hey, is on your screen right now. And we've looked at this before in virtual legality, but you've got up in front of you the United States Copyright Act, the description of what copyright is, Section 106. And it's this bundle of rights that somebody that makes an intellectual property has with respect to how it is copied. It's copyright, right? You see these sections here, and I've highlighted them. I don't want to read them all, uh, but we've got the right to reproduce. We've got the right to prepare derivative works. Keep a pin in that one. We've got the right to distribute. We've got the right to perform copyrighted works publicly. And then we have some other specifics that are really aimed at things like choreography and sound recordings and whatnot. But what I'm most interested in talking about today is the right to prepare derivative works, which is intellectual property creations that basically use another's intellectual property to make something which could be new, could be novel, could be interesting, could be lucrative, could be commercially something that you could sell, but is based on something else, right? One of the things that happened this week is Dreams came out, the PlayStation 4 video game creation engine, and a number of people wound up linking to an older virtual legality video that I had done about Dreams and copyright and where infringement is and where it isn't, and this topic kind of dovetails with that. If you wind up making a Sonic the Hedgehog level in Dreams, it will be different than any Sonic the Hedgehog level that has existed. Even if you're copying it directly, Dreams just has different functionality than whatever the original Sonic the Hedgehog game was. But it is very clearly a derivative work. And I think people intuitively understand that. You've got Sonic running around a Green Hill Zone, whatever it might be. Yes, it's an homage. How do these things live? And you've heard me refer to the fact that the intellectual property holder basically allows them by their grace or largesse is another word that I use often. And you'll see in the tweets that I'm about to discuss as part of this video. But basically, you are infringing when you make one of those things. But it's okay because the intellectual property holder is very unlikely to come after you. Similarly, if you perform the copyrighted work publicly, and I think for the most part, although this hasn't been litigated to the nth degree, when you take something and you stream it out for the world on Twitch or on YouTube, you are taking someone else's intellectual property and you are performing it publicly in a fashion that probably isn't directly permitted by the intellectual property holder. And that permission is something that we're going to talk about because one of the things that we've been seeing in kind of the evolution of the video game space and the evolution of really all of the pop culture space are these intellectual property holders figuring out that for the most part streaming and this social media content that is created around their product is a good thing, right? For the most part, it's free marketing. People are generally making videos and things about things that they like 
and are advancing the Q score or the publicity of whatever the intellectual property is, which is to the advantage of the intellectual property holder. So one of the reasons you see the world organized as it is today is because most publishers, most video game companies, even most movie companies to limited extent, have come to the understanding that, hey, it's a good thing to have this kind of light infringement out there because it helps their bottom line and it doesn't really hurt them. That all being said, it's worth noting that that lives in this legal gray area where essentially you are infringing, but the party that can bring you to task for that infringement is deigning not to do so because they think you're helping them out. Now, what happens if you stop helping them out? That's part of the question that I wanted to talk about today. And that's in response to a tweet that I saw from a couple days ago from a relatively prominent YouTuber and esports personality, Kurt0411, here at Kurt0411FIFA on their Twitter account, that says, warning to anyone that intends to call out EA on their bullshit. They will now copy strike your content and try to get your channels deleted. This is a tyranny that will stop at nothing. I surrender. So I wanted to unpack this a little bit. And if we actually look at the images that he puts on his Twitter page, you see all of these copyright strikes on his YouTube channel. Uh, EA sending these letters to Twitch about what appear to be, having looked at it just a little bit myself, videos of him playing and otherwise streaming FIFA 20 in a fashion that you would expect a streamer to do. Uh, and so I looked at that and I thought about it. One of the things I want to disclaim here and I want to note is that there are a number of other people that are more familiar with this streamer that have commented on the fact that he has a long history of kind of disputes with Electronic Arts, is a um, rambunctious personality, and may have been struck for other reasons just than kind of disparaging EA or calling them to task on various things. Obviously, if you follow virtual legality, you know that we regularly comment on Electronic Arts' business practices as well as, you know, Activision, Sony's, Microsoft's, and Nintendo's. And, you know, we're unlikely to get into trouble for a number of reasons, one of which is we're relatively small as a YouTube channel, but also because we don't stream things directly. We do, however, comment on things like news articles uh, that are making derivatives of what someone else has created, right? When a journalist creates an article, heck, even when Kurt0411 puts out this tweet, they have a certain amount of copyright in that thing that they made. And we're using it to comment on. We're using it to really talk about business and law. And that falls within fair use. And we're going to talk about that as well. But for the most part, it's worth noting that everything everybody comments on, when you see a YouTube video, when you see somebody reacting to something else, if they didn't create it entirely, holistically on their own, they are taking a derivative of some kind of somebody else's work, and they are hoping that they fall under fair use. But as we've talked about in previous videos in virtual legality, fair use isn't this panacea that people think it is, which is why I wound up tweeting out a kind of discussion item on this particular topic. I said, hey, we've certainly talked about this in virtual legality a great deal, but it's worth revisiting. Many, many content creators, YouTube or otherwise, skirt or vault over the line of demarcation for infringement and would have a tough and expensive time proving fair use, right? That was my point when I did the video on Jukin Plays, uh, Jukin Media and MXR Plays, which is they had a video where they were just looking at a volcano and they said, wow. And that was the heart of the video that they took, which Jukin Media claimed had copyright interest in. And that didn't look to me like it fell under fair use. When we talk about video game streaming, absent 
some kind of permissive license that allows you to publicly display or otherwise create derivative works or maybe even expressly talks about YouTube or Twitch or streaming in general, absent that kind of concept, you are very likely automatically infringing on that intellectual property holder's rights. And if you don't fall within fair use, if you aren't adding something like transformative commentary, then you've got a significant problem because you only exist, especially if you make your livelihood at this process, you only exist at the largesse of the intellectual property holder. As I say in my next tweet, that puts their content in a legal gray area where it basically survives at the largesse of the IP holder. If there is other history between the content creator and the IP holder, or if the IP holder otherwise thinks of the content as negative, this is the natural result. And if you're not familiar with the term largesse, I love this word. Uh, I've pulled up the Merriam-Webster definition here. It says, liberal giving, this isn't a political statement, this is a, a lot of giving, uh, as of money to or as if to an inferior slash generosity. It essentially means by your leave, right? If you are operating at the largesse of someone else, it's because they have given you permission or tacit acceptance for that activity, that they are the noble and you are the uh, serf and you are on their land and you are allowed to do what you do because they have not decided to throw you in prison. They have not decided to bring a copyright claim against you for the reasons that we've talked about. For the most part, video game companies have found, hey, that's not really digging into their sales when somebody is streaming on Twitch. And if they're streaming on Twitch and people look at that game and say, hey, I'd like to play that game, that maybe it's even helping their sales. And if you aren't disparaging them, then you don't have a problem. But if we take someone like Kurt0411, and if he is this rambunctious personality, he goes out there and he says, hey, I don't like what you're doing, EA. And maybe he personally attacks people. Maybe he does something that EA really hates. Maybe there's some kind of sexism or racism or something that really rubs electronic arts the wrong way. Then electronic arts can bring this hammer down and is probably legally within their ability to do so because they are basically just allowing all these infringements until somebody is acting negatively against their intellectual property. And what I want to follow up with on that concept is this last tweet that I made, which says, much is made in certain corners of the internet of the media selling out for access. But the nature of copyright and fair use makes that concept potentially an even larger issue for folks like YouTubers making a living on other people's IP. Said another way, when we talk about things like the age of the influencer and streamers on Twitch or on YouTube or anywhere else you might find them doing gaming or talking about really a lot of other things, you think about folks like maybe Red Letter Media who uses trailer footage to talk about movies, often disparagingly, and you see these movie studios sometimes come after them and they're big enough to generally fight them off, but that these movie studios say, hey, that's our imagery, that's our sound effects, that's even the, the trailer that we put together is something valuable to us, so we are going to penalize you or we're going to make your life difficult because you said bad things about our movie. And you think about the fact that that almost certainly wouldn't happen if Red Letter Media or whomever, Kurt0411, would have said good things about that media, then in my opinion, when we start moving into the age of the influencer, we are really talking about a fundamental kind of access journalism issue that most commonly gets ascribed to the IGNs and the GameSpots or even the Washington Posts of the world because it's easy to kind of identify a journalist that wants to talk to somebody at Naughty Dog or Sony or Microsoft, wanting to be friendly to those people, wanting to go to cocktail hour with them, 
ultimately having a personal relationship and that affecting their journalism. That's easy to understand, even though I think it's overblown. What's a little bit more difficult to understand, I think we're only really coming to grips with as we evolve this entire kind of now gigantic market of streaming video games and other pop culture content, is that because of the way infringement works and because of the difficulty in pursuing a fair use claim, which is basically an affirmative defense, although we don't generally refer to it as that, and we'll talk about that again in a second if you haven't seen us talk about it in virtual legality before. But this concept, I pulled up the Wikipedia article for access journalism, which refers to journalism which prioritizes access over objectivity and, and integrity, is something that directly applies to a YouTube streamer or a Twitch streamer that if they turn on the company that is otherwise letting them operate by their leave, can lose their livelihood, that we all kind of need to take their impressions and the context of what they're even enjoying as part of what they play under advisement. Not because they have to make a disclosure to the Federal Trade Commission that this is somehow paid for. You could have bought your copy of FIFA 20. You could have bought your copy of Persona, like we're going to talk about in just a second. And that's absolutely fine. You weren't paid anything for your thoughts except if you're trying to make a living on this service doing this thing and Atlas or Electronic Arts can turn off the spigot at their leisure, then the person that's making their comments that is quote-unquote enjoying the game has to be cognizant of that. And that's the purpose of making this video. That's the purpose of hopefully trying to inform people not just that stream themselves, but that follow streamers. That this is part and parcel of the thought process that every decent streamer that otherwise isn't hiring a giant expensive law firm to fight these companies off, needs to understand that when you see somebody kind of playing and enjoying something, that's what survived. That these companies can turn off those folks that aren't necessarily enjoying themselves, can threaten them in the way that they threatened Kurt0411. And I'm not saying it's not deserved. I haven't seen those videos. I haven't ever followed that particular streamer, but I wanted to use it as a jumping off point for a discussion of these topics. Because as the Copyright Act says, absent some other license, some other permission given to you by a copyright holder, if I made a video game, you don't necessarily have the right to prepare derivatives of that video game or to perform that video game publicly. We have to have given you permission in a different context. And you might say, Rick, I've watched a lot of YouTube. There are a lot of YouTubers that say I could fall under fair use. And what I would recommend is if you're really interested in an in-depth discussion of fair use, that you go and check out some of my other videos that talk about fair use with more specificity, especially the MXR Plays and Juke and Media videos. Uh, Those are well-received, and I recommend checking them out. But for the most part, fair use is a concept that says, if you use this other person's intellectual property in a specific way, it's not copyright infringement. And we've pulled up the language here, but it basically says, notwithstanding those exclusive rights we just talked about, the fair use of a copyrighted work, including reproduction or by any other means outside of phono records for that purpose, for purposes such as criticism, comment, news, teaching, scholarship, or research, it is not infringement of copyright. And you say, hey, these guys that do Let's Plays or that open up packs of FIFA 20, they're commenting on these things. They're regularly talking. And even then, it's not as bad as what Juke and Media did on that one video that you analyzed where they just looked at a volcano and said, wow, they're talking a lot more and they're adding something to the process. I think it might be transformative. You'll see that word a lot. But ultimately, it's a balancing test. And as we've talked about in previous videos, 
Balancing tests are the devil for trying to prove something in court. You can think you're absolutely in the right, but ultimately it's going to come down to a judge's decision. And if Electronic Arts wants to bring a copyright strike against you and your YouTube channel, which can end your livelihood pretty quickly, that's going to be trouble. Because if you want to fight that and EA wants to push it a little bit more, they can take you to court. And chances are they are going to get past a summary dismissal, kind of the easy, cheap way out of court. They're going to get past that because on its face, streaming their copyrighted information, streaming their video game is probably violative of whatever their contract says, which, hey, we're going to look at. I can tell you that it is violative of that contract. And they reserve the right to kind of say, hey, we mostly allow this, but we won't allow it if we don't like it. And then you have to go as an affirmative defense to that infringement and say, no, it's fair use. No, it was transformative. Hey, the fact that you put ads on it, that's going to speak against you because you made some money on it. Whether or not it relates to a fictional or real work, gaming is going to be fictional. That's going to be a problem as well. How much you used of it. If you're just streaming the entire product, that's going to be a problem for you. And the effect or of the use upon the potential market, that might not be a problem because streaming probably doesn't lower their sales, at least as far as we can tell. But Electronic Arts could certainly make the claim. And even then, you're talking about a balancing test that probably is skewed against you. And at that point, you're paying lawyers, you're spending time, the copyright strike is still kind of in limbo. And you've done all that essentially because you maybe said some bad things that Electronic Arts didn't like. And they might be with entirely within their rights to not like it. Kurt0411 could have said some really bad stuff. I don't know. However, it's worth noting for the rest of the streamers, the well-intentioned people, that the very nature of this kind of concept is that you are doing it. You are streaming their video game, their cultural item, their IP, essentially by their permission. Because otherwise, even if you could fall under fair use, you probably would have to do it at the end or in the middle of a long court session, pay these lawyers all this money, And that means that everything that we talk about with respect to access journalism, and I know influencers and streamers aren't technically journalists, but as we think about them, as we think about the effect that they have on the commentary that they make in respect to the games and the fun that they are having, I think they perform a similar function, at least to pop culture journalists, things like Gaming Industry or Entertainment Weekly or things like that, that in that context, you've got a problem because they do have that ability to cut off that access at virtually any time. And in my opinion, Electronic Arts is probably in the right here, even if you went through an entire legal lawsuit area. Now, that doesn't mean that I think all of this is the best way to organize things. I don't think the Copyright Act or the fair use provisions here properly reflect the digital age. Virtual legality isn't necessarily about advocating for specific reforms or policy changes, although I think they are necessary here. It's more about informing you of the current landscape, the situation that people find themselves in. And I had some folks actually respond to me on this Twitter thread, and I've got Kane Yusunagi here who puts a lot of great comments on my Twitter, puts a lot of great comments in my YouTube video, who basically disagrees with me. Right? He says, playing a game and recording it is a far cry, no pun intended, we're not talking about Ubisoft, from what you're usually talking about, though. Like that one channel, MXR Plays, who would play other videos and just go, hey, that's cool, rather than it be transformative. The recording of the game footage as you play is not their copyright. Yeah, to some extent, you put some flashy stuff on, you do some editing. What you have made is your copyrighted material. However, it's an infringement on the existing copyrighted material because what you created 
is a derivative work of what was already in existence. So you've got that fight. Hey, and maybe you win that fight. If you did enough stuff, if you get to that fair use process, maybe ultimately you win that fight, but it's after paying lawyers $100,000 to get you through the court system. And I responded, obviously, everything is facts and circumstances based, as we just talked about, balancing tests, hard to predict. But I really don't think that's the case. Initial knee-jerk assumption is that a taped playthrough of a game will be an infringing derivative work. Let's plays live because publishers have decided they are good advertising mostly. And then it continues, except the copyright of the footage is the players, not the companies. They own the copyright of the actual product, not the footage another person made of themselves playing it. Otherwise, you'd get these bullshit claims that video of a place is the copyright of the place. Nonsense. Now, we're not even going to get into architectural copyrights, okay? That is a miasma of legal issues, and I personally am not familiar enough with that, but it's enough to say you can actually get in trouble, especially for taking photos at specific angles uh, and things along those lines, of taking photos of buildings and taking videos of these kinds of things in very specific ways. Not always, uh, but that is in and of itself a potential issue. That being said, it doesn't really change what I just talked about, which is that these derivative works are the problem. And you can see that kind of writ large in what we're looking at even today, right? Yesterday, Persona 5 put out this kind of distribution guidelines for movies and live broadcasts. Now, this is a translated Japanese page, so I apologize for the language here. But basically what it says is play videos using the share function of a PlayStation 4 or a Nintendo Switch Posting live broadcast distribution, image distribution, and audio distribution can be used for personal use and non-commercial purposes only in accordance with the guidelines set forth below. This is with respect to Persona 5 Scramble, a new game that they are releasing, I believe, this month. It says, about delivery method. Use PS5 images for personal use with online services that can be used with the share function of these devices. So, translated, that says you can only do this with the share buttons of these various consoles. You can't otherwise use an Elgato or some other kind of platform to capture this imagery if you want to put it up. Distribute play videos to video sharing sites that can be used with the share function. If it isn't supported by the PlayStation 4 or the Nintendo Switch, you can't send it out to a different site. And when distributing the content that corresponds to the story, such as an event, please clearly indicate that it will be distributed with spoilers. You also cannot distribute or live broadcast using any other share function, commercial capture boards, as we just mentioned. You can't play videos for a secondary use. Uh, you can't incorporate a video of Persona 5 Scramble into that sitcom that you're otherwise making. You can't publish only music data, so you can't put up those kind of screenshot music ones that that thrive on YouTube where you just want to listen to the music and do not use the music for the main purpose of the video. Please refrain from publishing through sites and services that require payment for browsing, things that have a subscription feature, and do not perform any act that may result in a slander of a third party, including a specific player. Regardless of the reason, if we request, stop posting the video. If we tell you to stop, you have to stop, which essentially means, hey, Whatever you make and you put up on YouTube or elsewise, even if you follow the rest of these rules, it is at our largesse. And the reason they can do this kind of thing, and we saw this in the original Persona 5 release in 2017, where we've got the similar restrictions. You can post video, but it can't be more than 90 minutes long. No major story spoilers, etc. Don't show the ends of palaces. Don't 
stream past 7-7, the date in the video game. I highly recommend not doing this. You have been warned. You do so at the risk of being issued a content ID claim or worse, a channel strike account and suspension. So clearly Atlas, who publishes Persona 5 in the US, thinks that they have the rights to control the streaming. And they do, as we just talked about under the Copyright Act, because in the license that they've otherwise put forth, they don't give that right away. And they say, okay, Rick, how do you know that? Well, we did a little research. We looked at the Persona 5 box. Sorry for kind of the crummy imagery here. But you can see here on the back that they refer specifically to software subject to license and limited warranty at usplaystation.com slash software license, which helpfully here in virtual legality, I have pulled up for us. Now, it's worth noting that it's very, very difficult, actually, as part of virtual legality or otherwise, to discuss end-user license agreements or license agreements in general that kind of exist in the digital space and that you would have clicked through when you played the game for the first time. Like, I have a copy of Persona 5 currently installed on my PlayStation 4. If I went and played it right now, it's not that easy to go and pull up the terms of service. So we kind of have to take the back of the box as sacrosanct for these purposes, but it's useful enough for the discussion that we want to have here. It is also worth noting, however, that as we look at this license agreement, it says, hey, by purchasing or using this software, you agree to this agreement. This agreement applies to you unless you and Licensor, that's Atlas, that's the makers of Persona 5, enter into a separate valid license agreement, in which case the terms of that separate license agreement will govern. Said another way, even though they have on the back of their box directed us to here, and we think this is probably the controlling license agreement, if the back of the box had instead said, we send you over to the EA terms, and we're going to look at the, the fact that, that FIFA 20 actually does that. If it had sent you into a different direction, this is the default rule for something that you play on a PlayStation or a PlayStation 4. This is not the only rule. If that specific piece of software has something that is specific to it, then it will control over these kind of more general terms. But we think this is what Atlas actually wound up using was just the general Sony terms. It says the software is licensed to you, not sold, something that we've discussed a lot in virtual legality, but you don't actually buy the rights to a game. You buy a license to the intellectual property represented by the game, which means that that license has specific contours, specific permissions that the company that has that intellectual property is giving to you. After the authorized release date, Licensor grants to you a limited non-exclusive license to use the software for personal use on your PlayStation system. That's the blanket right. Notice that it actually limits it to after the authorized release date. So technically, anything you buy on a PlayStation that doesn't otherwise have its own EULA, it can't be used. You are not permitted to use it until it's quote-unquote authorized release date. It's an interesting question, especially if you got a mom-and-pop store that sells you something early, whether or not you should be permitted to use it and all these kinds of questions. But the actual license says you are not allowed to use it. Uh, so if it works for you, great. But if, you, if it doesn't, you don't have a complaint to bring to Sony or to the publisher. But here's where we're interested. For PlayStation 4 software only, Licensor also grants to you a limited non-exclusive license to use the share button to replicate or stream the software's audio and video output to third-party services supported by the PlayStation 4 system. Where the software permits use of the share button and where Licensor has the rights to permit you to record, edit, and share the software's content. So we have to break that down. But basically what this says is that if you're playing this software on a PlayStation 4, the publisher, by using this license, is also granting you the license to use the share button functionality on the PlayStation to stream 
to those places that the PlayStation 4 itself supports. But under the provisos of, if they don't allow you to use the share button, you don't have that right. And even if they do allow you to use the share button, they can't give you rights that they don't have. So where the software permits you to use the button and where licensor has the rights to permit you to record certain things. This is why you see in a number of video games, the boxes that say, hey, turn off the licensed music, right? Because the publisher of that video game has the right to use the, the music in the video game, but not to publicly broadcast it on a place like YouTube. So they give you the opportunity to turn that off and otherwise warn you if you're going to stream without turning those kinds of things off. Now, it's also worth noting that the license does not include the right to copy, publicly perform, or broadcast the software in an unauthorized manner. Now, that's pretty broad legal language, but it basically means that if you're not following that share button, you're not allowed to publicly perform or broadcast the software. So if you're using a capture card or you're using something outside of what is specifically allowed in the PlayStation 4 system itself, you are technically infringing on the copyright of the intellectual property holder just by virtue of this limitation. Now, they don't actually need to specify this limitation because all that you get is what they have expressly granted to you in the license. Everything else is generally reserved to them, but they specifically call it out here as a kind of belt and suspenders legal language to say, hey, you can't do that thing. It's also worth noting, you say, hey, Rick, okay, well, if Atlas used this particular feature and uh, otherwise tried to limit the availability of video recording on their game. They used this license. How is it that they were able to put those guidelines in place? And the answer to that question, before we get to that, I did want to comment on the fact that technically speaking, since Persona came out in 2017, we would actually refer to the 2016 license rather than the current license, but you see similar language, although there is a little bit of extra in respect of editing the recordings that was at the time of the Persona release that appears to have been removed in the current version of the license. Uh, because one of the things I always like to point out in virtual legality is you want to go to the license that is effective as of the date that you're talking about. And as we look at this license, it says it's effective April 2018, which would have been after the release of Persona in 2017, et cetera, et cetera. But getting back to the question at hand, you say, Rick, they use this license. It says, if I use, if I use the share button, I can record. How did they get around that? And the answer is that they disabled the share button. Right, We've got an article here from Polygon from March of 2017. It says, hey, Persona 5's PS4 share features are disabled. Uh, and so by turning them off, they fall under this particular proviso that says where the system permits the use of the share button, that you have this permission where the publisher has deigned to let you have the permission, provided you use the button and you go through the third-party services supported by the PS4. But if they don't turn on that button, then you fall outside of this sentence and then you fall into all the other limitations, which says all these copyright issues, which leads you to a note that says you have been warned. If you do what we say you cannot do, you do so at the risk of being issued a content ID claim or worse, a strike slash account suspension. We could come after you on YouTube if you don't follow these rules. And that exists entirely because the intellectual property holder retains those powers. Now, as we've also talked about in virtual legality, the legal contours of a relationship are not the end state of discussing that relationship. There are also the business considerations. So we make a video like this, we make an episode of virtual legality like this to kind of give you the lay of the land, 
but not to say that this is absolutely unfightable. And as a matter of fact, Atlas took a lot of crap. I brought up the next blog post that comes a little bit later in the day for Persona 5 in 2017 that says, hey, when Persona 5 launched, we put out a set of video streaming guidelines that we hoped would limit online spoilers for fans who have yet to play the game. To our surprise, we then saw numerous reactive news articles go up. These people were mean to us. Opinion videos post and received many emails asking us to please change our Persona 5 streaming video policy. We recognize that our fans are the reason why the game is the major worldwide success that it is, and we continue to want them to be able to enjoy the game without fear of being spoiled. However, we also heard your issues with the guidelines and decided to revise them. Note this isn't elimination, this is revision. Because we want to give players the most access to the game while respecting the original goal to not spoil people, we're now asking players to refrain from streaming or posting videos past the end of the in-game date of 11-19. Remember, the previous limitation was 7-7, so they've essentially allowed you four months of game time. Persona, if you're not familiar with it, essentially operates on a day-to-day basis. You go through a day, you do certain things, you go to the next day, all on a kind of year-long calendar. And so it is four months of game time. It's a significant amount of game time that they've now released to allow for streaming. We also want to apologize to those of you who saw the previous guidelines as threatening. We want to be transparent about what we do. And the reason we released the guidelines was to give streamers the right information up front. It was never our intention to threaten people with copyright strikes. Really? It was never our intention? You do so at the risk of being issued a content ID or worse, a channel strike account suspension. Fair enough. They say it was never their intention. I guess we'll believe them, although it kind of seems uh, like a lie on its face. It was never our intention, but we clearly chose the wrong tone for how to communicate this. Yeah, and the wrong words and the wrong sentence. But suffice it to say, Atlas has these rights, retained these rights, disables the share button, and then essentially gets kind of cowed into revising and revising and revising because this just isn't the way that most publishers and most intellectual property holders are dealing with the concept of streaming. And for the most part, publishers are relatively happy to live in a muddy middle that says, yeah, we're not expressly giving you most of these rights and you'll kind of live at our permission so that we can bring a hammer down on someone like Kurt0411 if we deign to do so. But you can otherwise do what you want and we're not all going to point a spotlight at it because if too many people like Rick at Virtual Legality start commenting on it, there might be a little bit more of a push to revise exactly what infringement and fair use looks like in respect to streaming, right? There could be a push for a law that specifically adds a new section of the Copyright Act that says streaming in these specific ways will not be deemed to be an infringement because it's the way the world actually operates and we don't necessarily want the IP holders to be able to have this sort of Damocles that they hang over people. We want people to be able to trust that if somebody likes or dislikes something, they will communicate that on YouTube or Twitch or what have you and not run the risk of the electronic arts of the world coming after them. Which brings us to the electronic arts user agreement. Now, as we saw in the PlayStation user agreement, there is a specific right that they give to people to use the share button as long as the publisher allows that share button to be pressed. In the electronic arts user agreement, we see updated last in July of last year, this document governs your access and use of software products such as game software contained on disk or downloaded offered by EA and its subsidiaries and related updates and services or live events hosted in connection with EA. This license 
says, the EA services are licensed to you, not sold. We're, we're familiar with that sentence. EA grants you a personal, not public, limited, non-transferable, revocable, and non-exclusive license to use the EA services to which you have access for your non-commercial use subject to your compliance with this agreement. You may not access, copy, modify, or distribute any EA service content or entitlements unless expressly authorized by EA or permitted by law. EA or its licensors own and reserve all other rights. And when they talk about all other rights, they're talking about these rights that are set forth in Section 106 of the Copyright Act. Reproduce, prepare derivative works, distribute, perform publicly. What we have talked about in the past, right? So they've reserved all those rights. They've given you a personal license for non-commercial use. And that always raises the question of putting ads on videos, which we'll talk about in a second. But they've reserved all other rights. You don't see that kind of similar language to stream things here, that permission. Although it's clear that Electronic Arts mostly lets streamers go. They have a lot of uh, Ultimate Team streams, a lot of FIFA streams, a lot of really everything that you can imagine streams for Electronic Arts products. But by the strict letter of the law, the strict letter of the contract that they've put out, the license that they have given to you, it's not clear exactly how streamers have the right to do that. And the answer is they probably don't. It says content and entitlements, which are the primary kind of capitalized defined terms that they talk about up above in the license, includes the software, technology, text, forum posts, chat posts, profiles, widgets, message links, emails, music, sound, graphics, pictures, video code, and all other audio, visual, or other material appearing on or emanating to or from EA services. In other words, everything that comes out of putting that game on, installing it and operating it, that is content and entitlements related to their services. And it says they grant you a personal right to those things, and you may not otherwise distribute content or entitlements unless expressly authorized by EA or permitted by law. And that or permitted by law is something that you generally add to contracts to make sure that nobody can accuse you of violating the law. Technically, it would apply to something like fair use, but as we've talked about, fair use is very difficult to prove. And if you don't believe me that EA is actually trying to reserve those rights because there are so many streams, I think it's worthwhile to look at their help page. Now, this isn't an operative legal document. This is just them responding to things. It could be used as evidence against them if someone were to claim that they were operating with the guidance that is provided by the company itself here, but it isn't actually the terminology in the license. It says, how to request permission to use EA content. EA appreciates the passion that players have for our games, and we're always excited to see the creativity that comes from our community. EA does not object to fair uses of video footage or screenshots. Now, note the phrase fair use there, right? Fair use isn't infringement, right? Is not infringement of copyright. So you get a little corporate ease here. You get a little corporate speak. We don't object to fair use, right? Well, it's not infringement. You don't really have the option of objecting to fair use, but we appreciate your generosity in that particular statement. We don't object to fair use including YouTube channels that are commercialized. Okay. Hey, Rick, that sounds like permission. They don't object to fair use, including YouTube channels that are commercialized, as long as the footage is a version of the game that we've released to the public. Okay. Fair enough. That's a limitation, right? Because otherwise, if you have access to the code, you have the rights to use it, and you can otherwise put it on the YouTube channel. That's a limitation that they can impose on it because they haven't expressly granted you the right to stream things in their license. Continuing, we have a little bit more problematic language. 
we do, you know, it should be said, we do reserve the right to address any inappropriate use of EA content. Now, if this isn't your first rodeo in virtual legality, you'll note the word inappropriate there doesn't have a capital I. That is not a defined term. So as a lawyer, you say, what in the world does inappropriate mean? Unfortunately, EA doesn't give you any context of that, which means that inappropriate means what EA wants it to mean at any given point in time. If they think you are using their video, their video game, and you're streaming it in a quote unquote inappropriate manner, then they can otherwise make your life trouble. Additionally, because many EA games include content that is licensed from a third-party company or may otherwise have usage restrictions, paired with the large number of video-related questions we get from the community, we aren't able to grant specific approvals or respond to all follow-up inquiries. So the setup for this is as follows. The license doesn't specifically say you can stream. We have outside kind of contour guidance that says it's probably fine if you stream, but we reserve the right to address to make trouble for anyone that is using our intellectual property in a quote-unquote inappropriate manner as determined in our sole discretion. And also, if you're looking for prior permission, approval of what you're going to put up on YouTube, we can't give it to you. One, because we don't want to. We don't want to devote the resources to it. But also, we find that that tends to undercut our legs if we want to make your life trouble and we want to bring an issue to a judge or otherwise cause trouble for folks like Kurt0411. That is an intractable situation, right? So every video that you see of Madden or FIFA or anything else that Electronic makes, Electronic Arts makes, Jedi Fallen Order, Need for Speed, you should note that this is their basic stance. If they determine it to be inappropriate, they can address it. I mean, this is very vague language. And if you, know, you put it in the right tone, it sounds a little mobstery. We'll address any inappropriate content at our discretion. You say, okay, wow. Well, fair enough. Electronic Arts hasn't given broad rights to stream, has essentially allowed it because they think it's useful to them, and they can otherwise strike people or cause trouble for them if they deem it to be useful to them. That's the situation that I'm trying to describe in this episode of Virtual Legality. Finally, I do want to point out there are licenses, there are EULAs that take a broader kind of description of what rights you have. I've pulled up the Minecraft license. Minecraft, owned by Microsoft, has a broader kind of understanding of streaming and allowance. Now, it's worth noting, this is one of those EULAs that tries to be written in plain language, which in my experience often winds up with more ambiguity, accruing power to the actual company, even when it doesn't look like it does so. We're going to put that aside for a second because that's not what really the purpose of this video is. But I wanted to point out the language that they use with respect to streaming. Within reason, put a pin in that. That's a heck of a bit of language. You're free to do whatever you want with screenshots and videos of the game. By within reason, hey, at least they tried to define it a little bit. We mean that you can't make any commercial use of them, any commercial use of them. Can you put ads on the YouTube channel? Unclear, probably not going to fight you on it, but they could if they wanted to. You can't make any commercial use of them or do things that are unfair or adversely affect our rights unless we specifically said it's okay in this EULA, allowed it through the brand and asset usage guidelines or, prov or provided for it in a specific agreement with you. Said another way, okay, you're free to stream. You're free to make videos of our game. Can't be commercial, which already causes a bit of ambiguity with what we know people do with Minecraft channels. 
And it can't be things like unfair, undefined term. What does unfair mean? Adversely affects our rights. What does that mean? Or unless we've specifically allowed it through brand and asset usage guidelines. In other words, things that we're okay being associated with, how you use our looks, our little Minecraft people, things along those lines. Or we've made a separate agreement with you, which will control over this EULA. If you upload videos of the game to video sharing and streaming sites, you are however allowed to put ads on them. Oh, okay. So we had to read a couple of sentences, but commercial use doesn't mean putting ads on it. Okay, so the lawyer in me wants to put a notwithstanding the foregoing at the front of that second blue sentence because it directly contradicts a piece of language in the prior sentence, but we can live with it. With that sentence in blue saying you can put ads on it, it would be very difficult for them to fight against it. This is the problem with ambiguous language and plain plain reading EULAs. But you can see the situation here is, okay, you can put ads on it unless we deem them to be unfair or adversely affect our rights. So what are rights? What is adverse effect? What does unfairness mean? Those are all up for grabs. And if Mojang or Microsoft can come to a judge and say X, Y, and Z is the reason why we struck this video because it was unfair, then that's probably going to get them through the door of making trouble for you. And then you have to spin around and try to claim fair use. It says essentially the simple rule is do not make commercial use of anything we've made unless we've specifically said it's okay. That's not the simple rule that they just described in the prior paragraph, but they are trying. Oh, and if the law expressly allows it, such as under a fair use or fair dealing doctrine, then that's okay too, but only to the extent that the law applicable to you says so. Yeah, it has to be, right? Fair use is not infringing. It comes completely out of the bucket of infringement and the operation of the Copyright Act. I love it when EA and Microsoft or Mojang or whoever puts these things and says, yeah, we're okay with fair use. You don't have to say that. That's the law. That's just directly written in the statute. Appreciate it. Thank you for the language. But you can see the difference in approach here. We've got Sony says, if you use the share button, it's fine. We've got EA, which says absolutely nothing at all about streaming. And then just says, yeah, we're mostly fine with it unless we determine that we're not. And then you've got Mojang that tries to say we're fine with all these things. But they also reserve this kind of blanket, ambiguous language that says, unless it's unfair or adversely affects our rights. The one takeaway I would add to all of this is that those kinds of bits of language, Sony's, EA's, Mojang's, anywhere else that you can find, only exist on the premise that they have the right to control streaming and then they give certain rights to you, right? When we talk about these things in Twitter, when we talk about these things in response to Kurt0411 or in response to Kane Yusanagi or whomever I'm talking to, you have to start with the fundamental understanding that the Copyright Act says you make a video game, you have these rights to control public performance of the work, to control the, pr the preparation of derivative works. You have those rights. And unless you expressly license them to another, then you have the right to control how that operates. So if you're streaming something and you don't have a contract with that publisher, individual to you, or another EULA that says streaming is fine, and they are out there, there are especially independent developed games that have a license that says streaming is absolutely okay, fine with us. Please put an attribution in the description of the video, things along those lines. We are moving towards that. But right now, all of these YouTube streamers, all of these Twitch streamers are mostly living at the largest of the intellectual property content holder. And that to me is a bigger indicator of a potential future problem with the access concept with essentially giving up the independence of thought to make sure that your livelihood stream isn't cut off 
when you otherwise cut the nose off of Electronic Arts or Sony or Microsoft or whomever, that it's worth noting, it's worth commenting on, hey, and it's worth having a virtual legality episode about. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you like this, please like, please subscribe. We love having these conversations with people. We think this is a particularly good one, so please put it in forum posts or threads on Reddit or wherever else you might find somebody interested in these kinds of concepts. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.